Amen. Let's turn, please, to Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24. Well, we've been seeing a timeline of the end, end time events, and if you haven't noticed, time is running out. Time is running out for our nation, for this world, and the Lord's coming. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, and Brother Jim, would you lead us in prayer, please, sir? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to be here this morning. We do pray for the many that are unable that you would lift them up and give help and strength. Father, as we come before you this morning, we bring our nation before you this morning in dire needs of your help. Father, our leaders need your help. They need to turn to you. They need to turn to your word, Father, for direction. For we know the end of the story. We know that you are coming. Father, you're going to come and bring judgment on this whole world. Be with pastor as he preaches. Just help us to have hearts that are receptive to your word this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew 24, 44. The Bible says, Therefore be ye also, what? Ready. For in such an hour as, what? Ye think not. And then what's going to happen? The Son of Man cometh. Therefore be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. What are you having for lunch today after church? We might not make it. The Lord could come back. But we just assume. We just assume. Well, I'm going to have this to eat. Well, we just assume we're going to go to work tomorrow. We just assume we're going to do this or that this week. We forget, don't we? We forget about the Lord's coming. The Bible uh, teaches that the Lord's coming is imminent. What does that word imminent mean? It means impending. It means near it means appearing as if about to fall on. So it's something that's just could happen at any second. That's the Lord's coming. And so it tells us, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Um, notice with me also in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. This, it's... Some people are thinking, well, I'm just going to wait and get saved, you know, just before the Lord comes or just before I die. That's foolish. Things happen so fast, we don't have any time even to think. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In what? A moment. In the what? twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed um is there anyone here that's fast enough to dodge lightning no when lightning happens close by it's you can actually hear the the the, the electricity just in the air just cracking and then boom uh, when it happens there's, we can't think that fast. It, the Lord's coming is going to happen unexpectedly and quickly. Um, notice with me in Revelation 3. 
The Lord tells us four times he's coming quickly. Do we believe him? Do we believe him? Revelation 3.11. Jesus says, Behold, I what? Come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. We've been talking about crowns that Christians can be rewarded with. And the Lord says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. In other words, we need to be faithful serving the Lord. There's so many things that happen that, that seem to take our attention and get us off, our focus off the Lord. He says he's coming quickly. Uh, go with me, please, to chapter 22, Revelation 22. Revelation 22 and verse 7. Verse 7 says, Behold, what? I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the what? The saints of the prophecy of this book. So he's coming quickly. So he's saying, Blessed are those who keep the saints of the prophecy of this book. Blessed are those who read the Bible and believe it and live according to it, even though the world is so scoffing of it. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the scenes of the prophecy of this book. Look in verse 12. And behold, what? I come quickly. And what? My reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. This is, that part is not talking about salvation. We're not saved by our works. But once we get saved, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus on two good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In Ephesians 2.10, I was looking at, when we got all that snow, I was looking at snowblowers and reading uh, reviews of them. And I don't know how many people said, oh, great, snowblower, um, and, and just praising it and then saying, I haven't had a chance to use it yet. <laughs> then how do you know it's a great snowblower if you haven't had a chance to use it yet? Um, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. God wants us to be faithful. He saved us to use us. I mean, do you buy tools to just sit on a shelf? I mean, I don't know. I haven't been in all you guys' workshop, but I mean, do any of you buy tools and put them in a frame and put it on the wall? I mean, would you buy a set of sockets and frame them and put it on the wall? Well, I don't know anyone that does that. Um, I realize there are some people that collect guns that never shoot them. I've seen people like that that have guns mounted on the wall. And uh, I'm thinking of a man in particular years ago and he never told me he shot them he he evidently just collected them mounted them on the wall you know what god didn't save us to mount us on some wall god saved us because he wants to use us he's got something for us to do and we need to remember that he's he says, verse 12, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Let's, let's serve him faithfully. Verse 20, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely, what? I come quickly. That's the third time in this chapter. What is this chapter in relation to the Bible? 
It's the last chapter in the Bible. Do you think if God said in the last thing he had written that he's coming quickly and he said it three times in the last chapter, do you think he's coming quickly? Yes, he is. He which testified these things says, surely I come quickly, amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. Would, is that really our prayer? I mean today. We've just talked about the Lord could come before this service is over. Would we be excited or would we say, oh, Lord, I wish you would have come back next week. There's something this week I wanted to do. I heard some, uh, some people are going skiing tomorrow. I mean, okay, you don't have to answer this or raise your hand, but would you rather the Lord come back now or Tuesday? I mean, would you rather go skiing? Is there going to be any snow in heaven? I don't I don't, that's not my idea of paradise, <laughs> that cold. Now, maybe Brother Jesse, that might be his idea of paradise, is cool weather. Um, but do we really want him to come back? Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. I remember years ago on the corner of Wabuses in 57, there was a, a bad accident. And there was a youth pastor staying there at the parsonage, and so he was called out to the accident scene. And so there's these young people that have been in an accident. Some of them are hurt and crying. And, and so he says, I'm a pastor. Is there anything I can help you with? And one girl just went like hysterical. Um, she was a Christian. Her parents thought she was in another city, and, but she was in this area. Um, I think he said they had been drinking in an accident. She had glass in her eyes, and uh, she was hysterical. Why? Because she didn't want anyone to show up saying, I know the Lord, can I help you? She was on the run from God. She didn't want to hear those words. Um, so, but verse 20, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. You know what amen means? It means truly. You know, if someone is saying something and you say amen, that means yes, that's true, that's right. And he says amen, even so come Lord Jesus. Um, notice with me in Acts 24, would, would we want the Lord to come, I mean, right now? Is there anything else that we want to do First, Acts 24, he may come before we're done. He may come tonight. When I was younger, oftentimes I wished the Lord would come on a Sunday night because I didn't want to go to school the next day. And then a little later on in my life, when I had some jobs I didn't enjoy, I wanted the Lord to come back on a Sunday night because I didn't want to go to work on Monday because I didn't like my job. <laughs> Uh, so maybe the Lord's coming on a Sunday night. I don't know. That was certainly my prayer many times. But Acts 24 and verse 26. Acts 24, 26. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Porcius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. We talked in Sunday school about Paul being in prison. Well, he's imprisoned right now. 
And I should have read verses 24 and 25 first, because this, this guy, Felix, he thought he had time to get right with God. So in verse 24, and after certain days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix what? So Paul was talking about the Lord. He's talking about righteousness and judgment. We are sinners. Every one of us are sinners. And the Lord is coming. We're going to have to face God one day. And as he's talking, Felix is trembling. He's literally trembling. Have you ever heard someone giving you the gospel and, and you just were trembling out of fear? Um, a famous preacher of many years gone by earlier in this country preached a message called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And they said during that message, when he was preaching, people were just hanging on to the seats in front of him out of fear that they were going to slip off into hell. This text was, their foot shall slide in due time. And they, they were just fearing God. Uh, Felix here, he's, he's at that point, he's trembling and answered, what? Go thy way for this time. When I have what? A convenient season. I will what? Call for thee. I mean, he's trembling. He's thinking of facing God and the sin and judgment and he's trembling. But his answer is, go thy way. Go thy way for a time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. But we read then the last two verses there, verses 26 and 27. According to the scriptures here, he never did have a convenient time. And so he got a promotion. Somebody else came into his place. And so to please the Jews, he left Paul bound. So we're... we're Talking here, verse 27, after two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room. Paul had been in prison two years waiting to get out. And Felix leaves him bound, bound over um, to the next person, which was Festus. So he never found a convenient time. And, you know, when I was in high school, you know, the, the pressures of the world. And, and I thought, you know, when I get out of school, it's going to be so much easier to live for God. This, this uh, being around these kids in high school, it's, it's, it's so wicked. But you know what I found out? Once you get out of high school and into the workplace, it's, it's, it's no longer, um, you know, young people talking about immorality with some other young person. In the workplace, it's adultery. Everything only gets worse. Um, you know, you have students skipping school, you know, and lying to their parents. The parents think they're at school, and, and the school thinks they're sick or whatever. And so they lie. And, but, you know, at work, I remember when I worked at a trust rafter factory, there was this guy, and, and he was bragging. I think it was the day before, um, he had called into work sick and he had left home as if he was going to work. 
And you know what he was doing all day? He was out on the lake fishing. His wife thought he was working. At work, they thought he was homesick. And he's out on the lake. And so what I found out is that it doesn't get easier in the work world. Sin becomes only more hardened. And so we, we, we just have to make a break. We have, we have to repent. We have to turn to God from all the mess. Um, notice in Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3. You know, one hard thing for people when they get saved is because of their friends. They know their friends are probably going to mock them and probably try to talk them out of their faith in Christ. But you know, when we have friends like that, the hardest part for us to realize is those are not real friends. They're not real friends. For instance, if I was addicted to something, um, let's say uh, um, fentanyl. How many people are being killed? Well, a lot of people are being killed from it. But if I was addicted for something, to something, if I was really your friend, what would I tell you? If I was addicted to a substance and I was having a difficult time getting off from it, what would I tell you? If you're truly my friend, what would I tell you? Don't ever take this because I, I'm, I'm taking it and, and I can't get off from it. So whatever you do, don't take this. But you know what happens in the world? What do friends do? Hey, I've got some fentanyl. You want to try some? Or I've got this drug, or I've got that drug. Or, hey, you want to go out drinking tonight? Is that really a friend? You know, we have to face the facts in our lives. If someone is addicted to someone, and they're trying to get us on it, that is not a friend. A friend would say, whatever you do, don't get on it. Don't, don't try it one time. Um, interesting passage is uh, Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. We find a man, he's a wealthy man, but he does not get saved, and he ends up in hell. And I want you to notice what his request is. Luke 16, 19. There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously what? Every day. Every day. I mean, this guy had the money to live like every day's a party. Verse 20, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. So if you can see someone laying at your gate full of sores, you know they're not clothed too well. or Maybe their clothes are all ripped and holy, and so you can see this person has sores all over their body. The rich man, he's clothed in purple and fine linen, verse 19. This poor man is scantily clothed. Verse 21, and desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. That's his medical treatment. The dogs licked his sores. Verse 22, and it came to pass that the beggar, what? Died and was what? carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. We don't read about any funeral for the poor man. Are you almost feeling that way today? I mean, funerals are getting so expensive today. It's like, 
Sometimes people say you can't afford to live and you can't afford to die, you know. But the poor man, you know, I don't know what happened to his body, but I know what happened to him, his spirit and his soul. It was what? Carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. Then it says the rich man also died and was what? Buried. So the poor man, we don't know what happens to his body, but he's going up. He's going up. The rich man, though, it says his body was buried. Verse 23, and what? In hell. In hell. He lift up his eyes, being in torment. Says, is there life after death? Yes, there is. There's full consciousness. He, was found, he opened his eyes and he was in hell, being in torments. And seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. He, it's amazing, his request. Now, if, if, you, if you've seen someone that's really sick and in bed, um, and they have running sores, and they have no way to get out of bed, they're bedridden, they have no way to get up, wash their hands, and maybe no one's giving them handy wipes or swabs or whatever to wash their hands, and so... Imagine your last thoughts of this person, diseased and infection oozing out of him. The person dies, goes to heaven. You die and go to hell. Can you imagine being in hell asking that that person whom the last time you saw them was oozing with infection, of saying such a request as this, that he asked uh, in verse 24, Send Lazarus, they may dip the tip of what? His finger in water and what? Would you want a man oozing with infection, dipping his finger in water and touching your tongue? It's hard to imagine, isn't it? But it shows you the hopelessness of being in hell. That was his request. Uh, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Verse 25. But Abraham said, Son, what? Remember. You know, in hell, there's going to be full remembrance of on earth. Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. Oh, yes. I lived the life of a party. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. Oh, yes, I remember. He was always late at my gate. I I got so tired of that diseased poor man at my gate. An eyesore. Remember. But now he is what? Comforted and thou art what? Tormented. Their roles were reversed to the extreme. Verse 26, and beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. What is a gulf? A gulf is, is it's an expanse. The Gulf of Mexico, you think of between Florida and Texas, that, that gulf. Um, down in Chattanooga, um, there was, I guess, well, I guess that was called a cove, but it was called Roark's Cove, uh, a cove in the mountains, a, a space there. But this great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. You know what he says, first of all? There's no way to pass from heaven to you. You know what that shows us? Salvation is forever. 
You know, there's no, there's no way that, you know, when we, once we get saved, there's no way someday in heaven to mess up and to be cast down to hell. Heaven, salvation is eternal. Then he goes on to say, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Well, he's talking about the rich man is where? He's in hell. And he's telling him, there's, not only is there no way to go from heaven to hell, but there's no way to go from hell to heaven. You know what that shows us? There's no way in eternity to ever get out of hell. No way. So then the rich man in hell changes his tune. Verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send him to where? My father's house, for I have what? Five brothers. He had five brothers that were still alive. That he may what? Testify unto them, lest they also come into what? This place of torment. That's what a true friend. A true friend, of course, it's too late for him, and his request is denied. But a true friend doesn't want you to suffer like they are suffering. That's why I go back to the drugs, fentanyl, whatever it is. A true friend is not going to offer you something that has them bound and addicted. So you, you need to get away from those type of people because they are not friends. A friend wouldn't do that to you. This rich man in hell, he wanted to keep his brothers from going there. He didn't want them to come, to keep him company. No, they would be in torment just like him. So what was, what was the, the answer? Verse 29, Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Well, Moses and the prophets at this time were dead. What is he talking about? Verse 30, and he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. He repeats it again. What is he talking about? He's talking about the scripture. If they don't believe the Bible, they wouldn't believe if someone came back from the dead. How many people do you know have heard about been resuscitated? Um, when we were in Chattanooga, Tennessee, there was a cardiologist who had written a whole book. You know, if a cardiologist ever asks you to do a stress test, ask him how many of his patients have suffered a heart attack and their heart stopped during his stress test. He may not tell you. Well, this cardiologist wrote a book about it because so many people their heart did stop, and he had to resuscitate them. And his whole book was about what they come back saying. And many of them would come back just a horrible experience, horrible, horrible things was happening to them. And in his book, he found out, in his writing, that those people who had those horrible, horrible experiences, oftentimes in a very short time, could not remember what they had come to saying. Have you ever had a dream that you couldn't remember when you woke up? Well, just like for them. But he found out some people, when they would be resuscitated, would come back with wonderful stories about, like, it was peaceful, or 
this or that. So, I mean, you're, you're picturing hell for some and heaven for the others. And the ones with the good experiences tended to remember what they experienced. We think about here the scripture. So people, so people have their life-death experiences. You know, some people would say, well, you know, the doctor brought them back to life. Well, the doctor resuscitates them. But at, at a certain point, um, a doctor cannot bring a person back. And so doctors don't perform resurrections. They perform resuscitations. So sometimes people say, well, yeah, I died, and I come back. Some, I've had people say, I, I've died two or three times. Well, their heart stopped two or three times, but they didn't die because they're resuscitated. The Bible says that it is appointed unto a man, what? Once to die. But after that, the judgment. So there's only once. You only get to do that once, and we don't want to be like the rich man in hell. I just pray that God would help us and would speak to our hearts. What, what is the motives for what we do in life? You know, I liken this age of grace to this. It's like going through kindergarten, elementary school, junior high or middle school, high school, without taking one test. Does that sound great? Going through kindergarten, elementary, junior high, middle school, high school, not having to take one test. The clincher, though, is that at the end, you've got one test to take on everything that you learned for those 13 years. Which would you rather have? Would you rather have a daily or a weekly test and quizzes? Or would you like to just sail through 13 years and just face one test at the end, pass or fail? Um, I have a feeling because we all have a human nature um, that we would get lazy over those 13 years and we wouldn't do the assignments. We wouldn't study, we wouldn't read the textbooks and we would fail that final exam. We know as Christians, our final exam is the judgment seat of Christ. Are we going to pass or fail? What's, what's going to happen? Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Everything we've ever done is going to go through the fire and be tried. That's, that's the test. 1 Corinthians 3, 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what? What sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive what? A reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be what? Saved, yet so is by fire. But there's no way to get to this judgment without verse 11. If you want to back up, for other, what? Foundation. Foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is who? Jesus. Jesus Christ. There's only one foundation for salvation, that's Jesus Christ. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's God Almighty in the flesh. He was born of a miraculous virgin birth. So he was born without a sin nature like we have. 
That's why a miracle birth was necessary. He lived a perfect life and then he died bearing our sins in his own body on the tree, on the cross. Was buried and rose again. What did the resurrection prove? It proved that his blood was enough to wash away our sins because the wages of sin is what? Death. If death could have held him, there would have been no proof that his payment paid for our sins. But death could not hold him. He rose again from the grave. That's why the resurrection is part of the gospel message. So today, if you've never received Jesus Christ, in a moment of time, it could be too late. Receive him today. Ask him, Lord, I do believe that you are the Savior. Please forgive my sins. Please save me. Please cleanse me from all my sin. Please take my life and use me for your glory. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. Not might be, but shall. If you've been saved, but you never followed the Lord in baptism, that's the next command, and it'll give you um, the joy of not being ashamed of the Lord and give you the courage to stand up for the Lord. May God help us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Father, we realize that you could send the Lord Jesus Christ at any moment back to earth. And then all those who have heard the gospel and rejected or neglected to take action are going to believe the lie of the Antichrist and be thrust into a horrible, horrible situation here on earth. Father, may no one leave here unsaved. And I pray you'd help us as Christians not to be ashamed of you. All oh, the rewards are so wonderful one day for not being ashamed of you. And, and just right now, Lord, it, it gives us such a good feeling and, and, a, and such peace in our hearts when we're not ashamed of you. So, Lord, our our spirits are willing, but our flesh is weak. Lord, help us to yield to the spirit, not the flesh. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our